Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. We've got a jam-packed show for you. We'll be looking back at the victory over Fulham. We'll be announcing a brand new partnership that we now have in place. And we'll be talking about some individual performances in quite a bit of detail. We'll also be taking your questions between now and the end of the stream. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. And uh, on today's show, we're going to be reflecting on Arsenal's opening day victory over Fulham. And what an impressive victory it was. A solid performance from the Gunners. Lots of positives to take away from it. Um, you know, I know there are some people out there who are still sort of very much beating the drum of, oh, but it was only Fulham. Well, you can only beat what was in front of you. And um, whilst I, I do expect Fulham to struggle uh, this season, you know, let's 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 be positive. Let's take it for what it is. And that is a very impressive Arsenal win on the road. And when you consider what our away form has been like in recent years, you can't help but be positive about it. Genuinely. A um, couple of you in the live chat mentioning Spurs. Of course, we are live uh, just, uh, I guess, 20 minutes or so after Spurs have just suffered defeat on the opening day of the season uh, at home to Everton. I thoroughly enjoyed watching that. Always good to have a laugh at their expense. No doubt about it. Uh, Spurs, of course, uh, the victims of a Dominic Calvert-Lewin header in a Carlo Ancelotti masterclass so uh, plenty for Mourinho to mull over but that's enough about them we've had our little laugh uh, you know we're on the up they're on the way down in my opinion so let's uh, forget about them put them to one side let's look back at that victory at Fulham let's start off uh, by having a look at the team that Mikel Arteta went with now there were a couple of surprises in there, I felt, and I'm just going to share the screen with you for those of you who are watching us live on YouTube. If you're listening via the audio, don't worry, I'm going to explain everything I say, so there's no worry about that. Um, let's go through the starting 11. It was Bern Leno in goal. Now, in the lead up to this game, we were talking a lot about this, about the goalkeeping situation at Arsenal. And I kept saying that if Bern Leno got the nod, it would signify, in my view, that he was very much Mikel Arteta's number one and essentially spell the end uh, for Emiliano Martinez because we know that Martinez wants to play football. We know he wants to be a number one. It's understandable. Um, he's at that stage in his career now. So, you know, it's we get it. I mean, there's no sort of hard feelings towards Emi Martinez. Of course, he was uh, obviously left out of the squad. He was given permission by Arsenal to travel up to Birmingham uh, to take on... Um, uh, or to undergo, sorry, a medical at Aston Villa. And we understand that a bid has been accepted and a deal has been done. There's been no official announcement yet um, at the time of recording this, but we're expecting that to be imminent. So it is a done deal. Um, Emmy Martinez is on his way to Aston Villa. And I just want to start off the show by wishing him all the best because Emmy Martinez, for me, you know, he's been a good servant to the club. He's never really made it at Arsenal. Got given an opportunity um, in light of Bern Leno's injury. I thought did really well. I thought took the opportunity with both hands. He's won many people over. There are many Arsenal fans out there who believe he should be Arsenal's number one and not the German. Um, but the club don't see it that way, it seems, because they've decided to let him go. Um, Emmy Martinez is off. He will join Aston Villa. And uh, Bern Leno is very much the club's number one. Now, it does mean, though, in my opinion, that Arsenal need to go out and bring in another goalkeeper. I haven't seen a great deal of Matt Macy. I don't know if any of you guys have, but I'm not confident uh, about him stepping into that position straight away uh, as Arsenal's number two. Bearing in mind that the number two is probably going to still play a significant role in our season. And that's why I kind of retained some hope that maybe Emi Martinez would stay. When you think that we're going to be in the Europa League, we're going to be in the League Cup, we're going to be um, sort of in the uh, FA Cup as well. There's plenty of games for whoever that number two is uh, to play. There have been heavy links with David Raya from Brentford. Uh, still no news on that, though. No concrete news anyway. Uh, we've also been linked with another goalkeeper from Dijon in France. But... We'll talk about him in a little bit more detail on tomorrow's transfer update show. This is 
about the game. We're going to look back at Fulham. That is the, the main priority of this podcast. I know I've digressed a little bit, but going back to the starting lineup, it was Bern Leno in goal. It was a back three of Kieran Tierney, who I expected to continue at left centre-back, as I said in the preview show, um, given sort of the injuries that, that we have at the moment and the way he's sort of uh, taken to that role really well. Add to that that Ainsley Maitland-Niles has done brilliantly on the left-hand side as well, and there was no reason to change that. Um, so it was Tierney, Gabriel, the new boy, new sign-in. I, in my sort of preview show, I, I went with William Saliba, um, to start. And I, I base that on the fact that William Saliba has been with the team a little bit longer, probably would have had more time on the training ground with Arsenal. And I felt like that may stand him in better stead. But we heard from Mikel Arteta that Gabriel and Willian, who also started, um, have trained really, really well. They've taken to, to his uh, sort of sessions like ducks to water. Of course, it was always going to be a bit of a risk with Gabriel, given that he's not played a competitive football match in six months. But you wouldn't have thought it watching him uh, yesterday. And then, of course, Rob Holding was the third central defender. Rob Holding, who has been heavily linked with a move away throughout this window. But Mikel Arteta, again, spoke about his future um, post-match yesterday. And he said, I told him he's not going anywhere. He's staying here. Um, we need him at the minute. And we really, really do. And it goes to show, I know... Look, I know there are injuries to Pablo Marie, to Socrates, um, you know, to to Mustafi. But it just goes to show you that actually Rob Holding is probably ahead of those in Mikel Arteta's pecking order anyway. Um, maybe not ahead of Mustafi because the team selections prior to sort of Mustafi suffering that injury would suggest otherwise. But we're going to have to wait and see. But it's very much... Um, understood that Mikel Arteta felt like we needed to keep Rob Holding. Feels like he can offer something to the team. And um, it was nice to see Mikel Arteta. I, and I don't want to be critical of previous managers, but we've had previous managers, not naming any names, Mr. Wenger, who have kind of put the players' wishes at times ahead of everything. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily stand the team in the best stead. And I want to see the team prioritised rather than individuals. Look, as a manager... If you can, uh, you would like to accommodate your players and, and, you know, make sure that you only have players at the club who are happy, only have players who want to be there. And the rest of them, you know, you, you, you do what you can to find solutions to move them out. But Mikel Arteta made it very clear that he, Rob Holding is part of his plans and that's why he's held on to him. In the wing-back positions, it was Ainsley Maitland-Niles, as I've already touched on, and Hector Bellerin. Middle of the park, it was Granite Xhaka and Mohamed Elneny. Now, of course, Elneny given the nod ahead of Danny Ceballos. I thought that might be the case. I did say that in the preview show that I expected um, it to be completely dependent on Danny Ceballos' fitness. And of course, he joined Arsenal a little bit later. Mohamed Elneny's been there throughout this very short pre-season. And so it was always likely that he was going to get a game. Front three, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Alexander Lacazette and another debutant, Willian. And... Um, I'm just going to touch on a few tactical points and then we'll come on to discuss the individual performances of some of those players because I was very impressed with a number of them. I really, really enjoyed uh, the display from Arsenal yesterday. I loved the way they sort of built up play. I loved the way they defended. They were very, very organised and I was in awe of some of the individuals. But as I say, we'll come on to that in a little bit. Let's look at some of the sort of tactical side of the game and... You know, it's very much been a common theme with this Arsenal side under Mikel Arteta. You know, we we seem to, when we're playing against the sides who you would, I guess, say are of a lower standard, I think that's fair to say when, when looking at Fulham, you like to see Arsenal just squeeze the game up a little bit higher, as opposed to the way we sort of played uh, against um, against Liverpool in the Community Shield, against Chelsea in the FA Cup final, against Manchester City in the semi-final. This was very much Arsenal sort of bringing it further up the pitch. Um, and you, again, see the, the traits of this system. And I know like it probably feels like I'm going over old ground when I touch on this because we have discussed it on a previous show. But the more we see of it, the more we understand it, the more it becomes abundantly clear that the players understand it, that the players have bought into it and that the players really, really do know what they're doing. So, you know, we often see this Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang move where he drifts infield and becomes uh, another striker. Um, you know, Lacazette then takes up the rest of the space. You see Ainsley Maitland-Niles as well 
driving into these infield positions. And what's great about Ainsley Maitland-Niles or whoever it is that plays in that role is they have freedom to not only drift inside, but to also go down the flank as well. And we saw on numerous occasions Ainsley Maitland-Niles get wide, put good deliveries into the box. But we also saw him drift infield, get to the edge of the box on the sort of occasion when Kieran Tierney would push up. Um, you know, we also saw him step into the midfield when necessary, when Arsenal were looking to win back possession in that kind of area. So what this system does is it gives people lots and lots of flexibility. It's very fluid. It allows Arsenal to chop and change shape throughout the game. And you saw that on a number of occasions. There were times where you saw Kieran Tierney move over to left back. Gabriel shuffle across, holding shuffle across and Bellerin tuck in as a right back. There were times where you saw Gabriel come out of the defence to press people and then you'd see Holding shift across, Bellerin shift across into a back three along with Kieran Tierney as well. So there were so many different sort of shapes that this team took throughout this game and that's what makes it so, so difficult to defend against, to deal with, to understand, to work out as an opponent. Arsenal just really displaying a tactical flexibility that I don't think we've we've seen from Arsenal Ever. And I, I don't remember the George Graham days. And I know a lot of people talk about sort of his tactics and the style and the way that they were very defensively sound. But for me, what this system gives you is it gives you a the ability to defend as a five when needed with uh, Xhaka and Elneny in this case protecting the defence. But it also gives you the ability to shift that up, to change that up, to push other people forward, to, to create numbers uh, in the sort of uh, opponent's half and in the final attacking third. And Arsenal did that to great effect. Now, the first goal was a little bit scrappy. Of course, it came from um, an effort from Willian. It was a good save, actually, from Marek Rodak. He deserves some credit for that. But Lacazette was in the right place at the right time. And it really feels like since Eddie Nketiah has come back on the scene, the performances from uh, Alexander Lacazette have been significantly better. Now, that's for a number of reasons. First of all, he knows, as Mikel Arteta says, that he's got someone up his ass. He's got someone fighting for that place. He's got someone who really, really wants that position. And whether you think that Eddie Nketiah is is ready or not to feature um, sort of all the time for this Arsenal side and lead the line on a regular basis is another thing. But the one thing you cannot deny is that he's enthusiastic, is that he's determined and is that he gives his all. He presses people. He's excellent whenever he plays. The thing is, though, it seems to have had the desired effect in terms of pushing Lacazette's game on. He's more aggressive. His play seems smarter, in my opinion. He often drops into these deeper positions, this sort of area here, um, you know, into those deeper areas and allows Aubameyang to then drift further infield and, and take up that space. Equally, when Arsenal have the ball on the right-hand side, for example, with Willian or Bellerin, whoever it may be, you'll see Lacazette now making that darting run in towards that near post, knowing that Aubameyang will follow in on the far post. And it just gives Arsenal that flexibility. Now, this system is, is geared towards getting the best out of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Make no mistake about that. Make Have no doubt about that, I should say. It's all about getting the, the best out of some of our key players. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is our key player. He's our main man. And again, I'll come on to talk about the, the sort of other goals, but we'll talk about how uh, this system allows Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to do what he did and how similar it was actually to the goal that he scored or one of the goals that he scored Oh, no, sorry, the goal they scored uh, against Liverpool in the Community Shield final. So Lacazette for me, uh, really, really impressive again, really determined, really sharp, often, you know, stepping across defenders, getting himself in the right positions to receive balls, winning free kicks. Excellent. It, it was just a great all-round performance from, from Alexander Lacazette for me. And also the, the forward play, you know, and I don't know if this is Lacazette doing it off his own back or if this is something that, you know, Mikel Arteta has very much sort of instructed him to do. But when you look at sort of who Fulham's two centre-halves were, it was Michael Hector on the right-hand side of the defence and then it was uh, Tim Ream on the left-hand side of the defence, who's been 
very much a, a you know a figure that people poke fun at, particularly during Fulham's last spell in the Premier League. He's just not good enough, Tim Ream. And Alexander Lacazette identifies that. And if you you watch the highlights again, everything that Lacazette did, every time he put himself onto the edge of the box, threw, threw himself into those uh, attacking positions. It was very much about putting himself on Tim Ream. He knew that Michael Hector physically had one up on him. And so constantly he would go up against Tim Ream in the knowledge that he was going to get the better out of better of him and he was going to beat him to the ball. He'd get there first. He was sharper. He was smarter. And, you know, it it showed that there was, you know, there it, it showed that there was some method to what Mikel Arteta had instructed Lacazette to do and indeed what Lacazette was doing off of his own back. He was very much playing a lot more intelligently, I would say, um, than we've probably seen in previous sort of times with Alexander Lacazette. You can see the confidence is back. The goals, they do any strike of the world of good, don't they? And it was great to see that again. Now, I want to touch on, obviously, Gabriel's goal. You know, I'll come on to talk about Gabriel's individual performance in a bit, as I've said. You know... It was a it was a powerful header from Gabriel. Um, the defender, in truth, probably should have done better. I think that the the Scott Parker would be really really disappointed in that, really upset with the way his team defended that. But he's still in the right place at the right time, to his credit. But one of the things I was most impressed with was the third goal. For me, that was that was the Arsenal goal, wasn't it? The other two were a little bit scrappy, not great, nothing to ride home about in terms of quality, but the third one certainly was. And as I say, before I touch on individual performances, I want to just uh, bring your attention to sort of the way the third goal came about. And it was very much that same thing from Arsenal where they sucked their opponents in. Elneny drops deep, Xhaka drops deep. Um, you know, everyone's sort of dropping deep in the sort of hope of, of Arsenal sort of sucking their opponents in. And Fulham fell for it. They really did. And, you know, a lot of teams are going to fall for this because you're not going to just let your opponent play the ball out. You're not going to just sit off of them. And Fulham's tried to squeeze Arsenal up the pitch. Of course, they were already losing the game at the time. Probably felt they had to be that little bit more aggressive, understandably so. And there was just a series of passes, wasn't there? Um, sort of uh, that sort of occurred at the back. I can't remember the exact pattern of play. I'm sure you've all seen sort of the, the highlights. So I'm not going to go on and on about it, but it was very much sort of this kind of thing um, from Arsenal. These sort of passes along the back line, you know, in within this sort of area, sucking players in, you know, getting everyone to come in. And then Arsenal play the ball out. And I think it was actually Moel Nenny who breaks here. And then the ball comes to Willian. And from there on, this is the, the situation that Arsenal found themselves in against Liverpool, isn't it? Where you've bypassed their entire midfield and their front line by sucking them in, by absorbing them into you and then beating the press with accurate, incisive and sharp passing. And that's exactly what Arsenal did. And it's a carbon copy almost of that goal against Liverpool. And that shows to me that this is something that Arsenal have been working on. It's something that they've been doing on the training ground. It's very much a pattern of play that Mikel Arteta wants to see his team use often. Now, of course, if you do it time and time again, it becomes a little bit predictable. I don't expect Arsenal to do it at every single opportunity. But the fact that Arsenal can do that now, instead of just going long all the time, instead of just being very direct... It, it just adds another dimension to what Arsenal can do. And you've, we've certainly got the players now to expose that. You know, once Willian picked the ball up on the right-hand side, it was a sensational ball out to Aubameyang, sort of in this position. I know Fulham had got some players back by then, but you back off Aubameyang, you let Aubameyang run, you let him go, you let him go, you let him go. And once he gets himself into this type of position, and I know... Some defenders managed to get back. That was only going in one place. And it was in that far corner from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So, you know, you isolate, you, you get Aubameyang to isolate the defenders. You would back him every time. He's got the pace. He's got the trickery to get past people. And once he gets into those positions, he makes no mistake with the finish. And that, for me, capped off a, a wonderful defensive performance from Arsenal, a very disciplined performance for Arsenal, a very mature performance from Arsenal. And 
that goal would have pleased Mikel Arteta the most. Now, there were some really, really good signs throughout that game, but that goal would have really, really um, impressed him, you know, because as a manager, as a coach, I, I, I wouldn't imagine there's anything more satisfying than watching what you've worked on, what you've spent time perfecting sort of come into fruition. And that's what he got there. He got to see his methods, his training, his hard work, you know, pay off in a live match situation. He would have been thrilled when he saw it against Liverpool, but he'd have been even more thrilled to see it repeated and done again, which really shows that it's been embedded into these players, that it's been, you know, very much taken on board by those who follow him, by those who work under him. And he'll be absolutely delighted by that. Let's talk about um, some of the individual performances. As I said, um, I wanted to discuss a few of those and, and in particular the two debutants. Now, we can sit and talk about everyone because everybody was sensational. But I think there are three players I'm going to talk about. The two debutants and one more um, who I really want to focus on, really want to home in on. Uh, during this edition of the podcast. The first one, of course, um, is uh, this man, uh, Willian. Coming to the side, um, and we knew what we were getting with Willian. We knew that we were getting somebody who was experienced, somebody with excellent quality, somebody with um, know-how, somebody with, in my opinion, incredible technical ability, and Willian displayed all of those things. Now, I know, you know, the first one, you know, whether you're going to give that as an assist or not is uh, is up for debate. But on paper, technically, as far as Fantasy Premier League is concerned, Willian registered three assists yesterday, which he'll be delighted with. And what a debut it was. And what I really, really enjoyed about Willian's performance, and I'm just going to sort of reset some of this on the, on the tactics board so I can just take you guys through it. If you're listening via the audio don't worry i will explain it as well um if you fancy jumping over to youtube um then why not feel free to do so um right here we go whoops i'm I'm a bit like a andy gray when he first got his little machine he didn't know how to use it and i don't bloody know how to use this either but we're getting there we're getting there um let's just reset sort of uh fulham's positions here we go. So obviously for them, it was that back four midfield pivot of uh, Tom Kearney and uh, uh, Reed, and then Onoma further forward and then their front three. So that's um, pretty much the Fulham side. Let's just quickly reset Arsenal on here as well. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Lacazette up top. Bamiag from the left. And William from the right. What I really, really enjoyed about William's performance was um, his his sort of tactical flexibility. Um, you know, the fact that he was able to drift into different positions to pick up the ball, and it made him really, really hard to mark. It made him it really difficult for people to to pick him up for you to sort of stop him having an impact on the game. You'd often see him sort of pull right out to the right-hand side. You'd see him tuck inside at certain points as well, creating space for Bellerin for the overlap. So there was lots and lots of positive signs um, from Willian. And what I really enjoyed was seeing him drift. And, and again, it goes back to the system, doesn't it? This system gives you the ability to drift um, in and out sort of without leaving gaping holes defensively. And that was, you know, really, really impressive. And, and again, a testament to not only William's performance, but a testament to the system and how well and how fluid it is working um, from Mikel Arteta. Apologies if you can hear a baby crying in the background. My son has uh, decided to start. I'm, not, I'm in the outbuilding, but it's so warm. I've got the, the doors open and all sorts and I can hear him uh, crying. I don't know if he's picking it up on the mic, but uh, just uh, in case it is, there you go. There you go. Right. Um, let's go to another individual performance. And uh, that is the individual performance of uh, another debutant, as I said. And that is uh, Gabriel, of course, got that goal. What a dream debut, dream start to his Arsenal career. Now, Gabriel had a bit of a hairy moment right at the start of the game where there was a pass back from Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And he didn't really check over his shoulder. He didn't really... Uh, you know, have a look, make himself aware. 
and make sure that there was nobody sort of in, in close proximity. And he kind of let the ball go thinking that Bern Leno was going to get there. Obviously, Abubakar Kamara stealed in, got a touch, fortunately for us, because that would have been a nightmare start, not only to to uh, Gabriel's Arsenal career, but to the, our Premier League season as well. An individual mistake from the back. We've seen way too many of those over the years. Um, but to his credit, he recovered really quickly from that. And that says to me that this is a player with great mental strength, um, you know, with a good mentality, with you know, this, the confidence to not let something like that knock him so early on in his Arsenal career would have been very, very easy for Gabriel to get caught up in that mistake um, and sort of become a little bit within himself. Uh, But that wasn't the case at all. He was confident in his passing. I think he had a 97% pass completion rate and he was on the ball a lot for Arsenal uh, yesterday. Really made himself... Uh, available every time his teammates needed him to be very confident, very dominant in the air, which is something that you could argue we've been missing, particularly in the centre-back position. Um, Arsenal have a set-piece coach now, and you can see the benefits of that. Yesterday, I thought Arsenal defended set-pieces impeccably well. And using players like Gabriel in that is going to be key. Players with his presence, players with his power. And he really, really stood out for me. And as far as debuts go... You know, you're not going to get the perfect performance and that little error right at the start is probably the only black mark on on what he did yesterday. But other than that, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was excellent. Outstanding, in fact. And I'm really, really excited by by the prospect of this guy. He is just 22 years old, remember. Hadn't played a game for six months. Imagine what we're going to see when he's in full flow. I'm really, really excited about him. And you can understand why uh, so many clubs were in the running um, we're in the running for uh, Gabriel's signature. Um, going to touch on one more individual performance. Uh, just first of all, just going to say a massive hello to everybody who's in the live chat. Um, I'm going to come to your questions a little bit later on in the show. So save those for now and I'll let you know uh, when we need them and fire them in the chat and we'll come to as many of those as we possibly can. Uh, big thanks to uh, Purple Light Media World for your kind donation. Uh, thank you very, very much. It is much appreciated. Um, he also says, good win. Yeah, it was indeed. It was indeed. Right, the other player I wanted to discuss uh, was Mohamed Elneny. Now, it, look, and I want to caveat this by saying this from the very off, okay? Because I know that by me talking about Mohamed Elneny, there's going to be a fair few people out there assuming that I'm saying we don't need a midfielder and that I don't want a midfielder to come in uh, during this transfer window. That is absolutely not my point um, and that is not the case I'm making the case I'm making is simply that Mohamed Elneny didn't put a foot wrong yesterday he didn't put a foot wrong he was uh, efficient in possession he was physical when he needed to be he was tactically very very aware Um, he got forward on a few occasions as well um, which you know is not something you associate with Mohamed Elneny I thought it was very Unfortunate in the first half and that ball broke to him. He took a really uh, nice touch. He stayed composed, just sort of went past the defender, opened his foot up, went to go back across uh, towards that near post. Completely wrong-footed Marek Rodak, but fortunately for Fulham, there was a defender there to get a block in. So I thought he was really, really impressive. And I'm not saying that I want him to start every week. Don't, Don't take it that way. But what I am saying is he's a player with the right attitude. He's a player with the right values. He's a player who genuinely appreciates the fact that he is part of this huge football club. And for that reason, I don't think it would be such a bad thing to keep Mohamed Elneny around the squad. I think we will have times where he can be of use. I think there will be games where Arsenal are in front and may not be so comfortable. And Mohamed Elneny just shores things up for me. And, you know, if we had our backs against the wall and we were defending for not, for hell and for leather and there was a few minutes to go, I would probably argue that he's as effective as Danny Ceballos in that situation. Yeah, he doesn't progress the ball like him. He's not as classy as him, doesn't have the technical ability that he has. But you can see that Mikel Arteta has been impressed with Mohamed Elneny because what he's done is... He's come into the side and he's done exactly what he's been asked. He hasn't put a foot wrong. He, one of the positives about Mohamed Elneny is that he remains really concentrated. His concentration levels are always at a peak 
And that is excellent and important at the top level of football. So attitude, 10 out of 10. Effort, 10 out of 10. Ability-wise, there are question marks. I don't think he's good enough if we've got sort of higher aspirations in the longer term. But as a squad player, I don't see why he wouldn't be of some use throughout the course of this season. I really don't. And I would keep him. Look, if a, if a substantial bid comes in, a bid that Arsenal feel would allow them to then go out and do more business and significant business and the business that they want, of course you consider it. Yeah, and I'm very much of the same sort of view as I was with the Martinez thing. You know, nobody at Arsenal is unsellable apart from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at this moment in time. You know, everybody has their price. And so if the right price is is on the table, then you let him go. But as for keeping him around, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad um, that's a, a bad idea. And I'd be happy to see him stay for the course of the season. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. You know, he's... He's under a different manager now, and we've seen under Mikel Arteta there are a number of players who have comes on, who have come on, sorry, leaps and bounds since he's taken over in terms of their positioning, in terms of their concentration levels, in terms of their desire, in terms of their confidence. So why can't any progress? And again, I'll say it again, I'm not going to say that he is someone I want to see starting in Arsenal's midfield every week, but he's a decent option and someone that I personally would keep at the club. Um, right, so that's uh, that's it on uh, Mohamed Onneni and uh, some of the individuals that we were going to discuss uh, today. So we've discussed William, we've discussed Gabriel, we've discussed Mohamed Onneni, and now is probably the perfect time uh, for you for me to tell you guys about the brand new partnership um, that we have uh, got ourselves, or you know that we've been offered, and we're delighted to have been offered it because this is a brand actually that. I'm a massive fan of. I see their stuff everywhere. I see their adverts on Instagram. I see it just. I think their branding is spot on, um, and uh, it is uh, manscaped. Now, I'm sure if you're a man out there, you're watching this show, you've probably seen the brand around somewhere. You you can't have missed it. Their marketing is incredible, and Manscaped has just launched in the UK. Now they say that we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. I'm sure you can guess what I'm talking about, but no fear. Manscaped is here with an absolute screamer to deliver the best tools for your below-the-waist grooming experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. I mean, the name of it, the Lawnmower 3.0, that is enough, uh, I think, to persuade... Uh, most people uh, to give it a go if that's something you're interested in excellent brand excellent marketing we're delighted to have them on board as a partner at the chronicles of aguna and if you are interested in checking out their products we have got our very own discount code so if you head over to manscaped.com um, and i'll just share the screen with you so you can see what the site looks like as well um, men's grooming um, at your surface and if you head over to the website it's uh, the the discount code is Chronicles AFC, all in capitals, and you will get 20% off of your order. Um, so, yeah, uh, check it out. If it is something you're considering, if it is something you're looking into buying, then please do head over. Check out Manscaped. Um, if you are going to buy something, make sure you put in that discount code um, Chronicles AFC and you'll get 20% off. So do check it out. We'll leave some more details in the description as well. Right, uh, time, I think, uh, to come over to some of your questions in live chat. Um, just uh, having a look at some of your comments as well. Big shout out to Kevin Campbell who's joining us. Um, how you doing, Kevin? Um, you must be thrilled this weekend. First of all, you got to see the Arsenal uh, turn over Fulham with such ease in such a convincing manner. And then you watched your beloved Everton uh, roll Spurs over. There you go. At Spurs as well. Brilliant. There you go. Um, big shout out to Kevin. And he says squad players are needed. Agreed. Um, and Mohamed Elneny for me is someone that um, is that is someone very much who I think um, Arsenal should be looking to hold on to. Um, a few of you commenting on that as well. Um Lloyd says, agree that Elneny is a decent squad player and we're unlikely to get much money if we sell him. Whilst I'm just going through some of your comments on this subject, throw your questions in the chat 
as well and put a queue at the start of them so I can just pick out the questions without missing anything. Let's quickly check in on the likes as well. There's 300 of you watching across the multiple platform at the moment, but we've only got 49 likes. So if you haven't already, please do smash that like button. It is so, so important um, to please get that done for me as well. Subscribe to the channel, of course, if you are new. Uh, Sam Newcomb, what is this ad, mate? Check it out. Check some of their stuff out. You'll be in fits. It's incredible. Uh, it's brilliant stuff. It is really good stuff. Um, what else have we got here? Let's uh, keep going through some of your comments. Um, da -da -da. Apologies, just screaming through. <laughs> Fergus says, no photos, please. I promise you I won't send you any photos. Um, and I don't want to receive any of your photos either, um, to be honest, none of you. <laughs> so keep them to yourself. Uh, but it is a, a very important department in which we should uh, all make sure that we stay uh, well-groomed. And uh, what better way to do that than with Manscaped than by using our 20% discount code. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ian says, uh, do you think we get Thomas Partey? We need him to challenge for top four. One or two players could change this team, but Arsenal does this all the time. They don't plug the holes. Look, I think uh, I've said it throughout the transfer window. If if Arsenal are able to move a few players out the door, if Arsenal are able to get some deals done in terms of outgoings, then why not? Um, if the funds are there, I'm sure Arsenal will, will make every effort to get that deal done. One thing you can't deny is that there's a new, there's a new sort of ambition around this football club. There's a new determination. And, and Mikel Arteta, for me, just personifies that in, in the way he goes about things in the... The change in attitude from the players, which is so evident on the pitch, you can see that Arsenal are really determined to push on as a football club, as a football team. The individuals have really bought into him. And I think that if the club, you know, if the money was available, if they were able to raise sort of what the difference is between what they currently have and what they need to spend to get him, if they were able to raise that money and didn't do a deal like this, I think they'll be kicking themselves in the future because... This is a transfer window unlike no other. Obviously, the COVID thing has had a massive impact on everyone. And Arsenal, I feel like this is a chance for them to just go big and, and steal a march and, and get players in that ordinarily some of the bigger, more powerful clubs at this moment in time would be going for. So it feels like it would be an opportunity missed if we didn't do it, if the funds were there and we didn't make it happen. Um... Tiho says, Big H, if you could only have one of Partey or Awa this transfer window, which one would you go for? We definitely need both, but just want to see who you think is more important at the moment. Having watched sort of sort of this uh, this Mikel Arteta side of late, I'm very much of the opinion that it's more about having that physical power in the middle of the park. I feel like we need that. Thomas Partey is more of a box-to-box -box player. Uh, a lot of people seem to think he's a defensive midfielder. That really isn't the case. He is someone who likes to get up and down, which I think is what we need in this system. So if uh, assuming Granit Xhaka is going to keep his place, which I think he will, um, I know that's up for debate, but I think he will, then someone like Thomas Partey alongside him gives us that perfect balance, I think, between being able to get forward support attacks, but also being able to drop in, having the fitness to get back and drop in as well alongside him when needs be. So for me, I probably just lean towards Thomas Partey. I do caveat that with the fact that I've seen a lot more of him and that obviously probably sways my opinion on the two. Look, if we got either, I'd be absolutely delighted. But if I could only pick one at this moment in time, I am leaning slightly towards uh, Thomas Partey. I know Hussein younger, etc. But I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Thomas Partey. I've got to be honest. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about needing that sort of creative attacking midfield player. I think one of the things that was most attractive, though, about Willian as a signing to Mikel Arteta and to Arsenal is the fact that he is kind of a hybrid of a, of a winger and a number 10. He can do both. And you've seen that in this system, the fullbacks have got that license to get forward. Um, and what that means is that you're often going to see Willian drifting inside and taking up those areas. And so would an attacking midfielder, like a natural attacking midfielder, like a Mesut Ozil, for example, would they end up stepping on each other's toes? I don't know. You know, you've also got Nicolas Pepe, who's another option. So there are options in this Arsenal squad at the moment that, for me, you know, signify the fact that maybe 
an out and out attacking midfielder is not quite what we need. I'm not saying that's what Hussein Mawar is, because I know he's a bit of a sort of in between as well, a bit of a box to box player himself. But he's certainly more attack minded and more technical, I would say, than Thomas Partey. So yeah, um that's that's my take on that. Uh Subigia says, What did you think of Maitland Nazi's performance? Lost the ball too many times and didn't make much impact other than just adding the numbers in the midfield, in my opinion. I think it's a little bit harsh to say that he didn't play well yesterday. I think everybody in an Arsenal shirt performed to a really, really good level, I thought. Um, yeah, he gives the ball away a little bit. Um, he didn't have his greatest day. I thought, for example, in the community shield, he was better. Um, I think any sort of little threat that Fulham did show at Craven Cottage came from Dennis Adoy, who, uh, sorry, yeah, Dennis Adoy coming forward on the right-hand side. Um and I know it's not, you know, maybe you could argue Aubameyang maybe should be tracking him when he comes up from right back. But it felt like any threat that Fulham did have was very much from that side. So I kind of get why you may not have been particularly impressed. But look, AZ Maitland-Niles for the most part recently has been really, really good. So I think, um, I think that, that I, I don't know, I'm going to stay off his back for a little bit. I think he done really, really well, um, really well. And um well, I think he's done... Uh, let me rephrase that. I think he's done really well over the last few months. And for that reason, I'm going to cut him some slack on yesterday's performance. I don't think you should dwell on, on bad performances too much when you, you get the result you want and sort of no damage is done. I know you shouldn't ignore bad performances because then how do you improve things? But, you know, it's... Um, I, I think it's a little bit harsh to go in on Ainsley Maitland-Niles after yesterday's display. Um, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that you're going in on him, but you know, I think if anyone is, I think they're they're going a little bit OTT. Uh, Brad Richardson says, with the performance of Willian, should Pepe be worried? Absolutely. Absolutely. Willian was incredible. The outputs were there for everybody to see. As I've said, he gives you that ability to drift inside a little bit more. I know Pepe's left footed and likes to come inside as well, but Willian just feels a lot more natural in those central positions and on the other flank as well. He just gives you so much um sort of flexibility now of course Willian is 32 years old and is he going to play every week and in all the cup competitions you know that that's up for debate as well so we, Pepe will get his opportunities as well this season but he's got to take them when they come along because Willian is not fucking about and uh Willian it w was excellent uh Niall Healy says who do you think will replace Martinez um it's a tough one, isn't it? And we'll probably talk about this in a little bit more detail on tomorrow's transfer update show. But I mean, there's a couple of options. There's a couple of names being banded about. David Raya of Brentford, who of course didn't feature for Brentford this weekend as well. Interestingly, um, don't know if that means he's on the move. And then there's another goalkeeper um, whose name just escapes me right now uh, from Dijon in France, an Icelandic goalkeeper. Arsenal also being rumoured to be interested in as well. So we'll be discussing those options a little bit more in a little bit more detail on tomorrow's transfer update show. But I've got no information. I don't have a clue um, which one of those Arsenal are going for. Of course, there's lots and lots of uh, talk about David Raya and it has been for a few days now. So that kind of feels like it's the most likely option. Um, but of course, that could change. Lots of things could change uh, between now and the end of the transfer window. Uh, S Cricket Ball says, any truth to the rumour that Guendouzi is going to Real Betis? I don't know. Um, honestly, is it, that's my answer to that. Um, I, I do think Arsenal are actively looking to move Matteo Guendouzi on. I do think they're looking to receive a transfer fee from him. Uh, I, I know that Danny Ceballos was someone that Real Betis were considering. Um, so it's clear that they're in the hunt for a central midfield player. So perhaps you'll see Matteo Genduzzi go to Seville. I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I don't know that there's anything concrete in that at this moment in time. Uh, Sudanwa says, uh, do you think Arteta will stick with the 3-4-3 or move to a 4-2-3-1 with Willian in the number 10 role? Um, as I was saying, in sort of like the tactical section of the show earlier on. And if you if you missed that, check it out afterwards. Um I was speaking about how fluid this system is and on paper it's very much a 3-4-3 but I don't uh, what I love about it is that it is ever changing and it's ever adaptable to the situation of the game and so I wouldn't say that he'd be in a hurry to change that right now because it's given him that flexibility it's given him that extra defensive stability um, and we saw uh, at Fulham that it gave us a little bit more sort of creativity as well which is probably one of the the criticisms that we would throw 
at Mikel Arteta's Arsenal side, you know, when he first took over was, yeah, he made us a bit more defensively sound, but were we creative enough? And, and probably not. Um, probably not. Um, Stuart Woods, he says, I just checked out Manscaped. The products made me laugh. And I guess the shaver would be better than using a cutthroat razor in your gentleman area. There you go. We've got a... We've got someone on board already. There you go, Stuart. And uh, if you do go on to order, um, and I'll be receiving mine in the next few days. So I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but please uh, make sure you use that discount code because you'll be missing out on a 20% discount. And uh, why would you want to do that? Um, let's see what else we've got here. Omar says, do you think this could turn out to be another false dawn like last time we beat Fulham? No, I'm a little bit more confident about Arsenal this time around, as I think most people are, and understandably so, um, given sort of what we've seen from from Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, um, you know, in recent months. It's not just about yesterday's performance, it's about the progress that we're seeing. Now, you know, the other side of looking at it is it means nothing if we go and get beat by West Ham at the Emirates Stadium. So it's not necessarily about it being a false dawn. It's just about the fact that you need to build on momentum. And it would be nice to go to Anfield with six points on the board because then, you know, I know City and United have played, are not playing this weekend and there'll be a game behind. But even if with a defeat within our first three games to be level on points with those two at that stage, for example would be a positive in our top four hopes. So I feel like, you know, yes, they'll have a game in hand, but it's always nice to have the points on the board. So I feel like it's very much about momentum. It's very much about building. Look, don't be under any illusions, right? There will be setbacks throughout the course of this season. There will be times um, in this season where we do get beat. There will be times where we don't play well. It's important to understand the, the bigger picture and to focus on the bigger picture and focus on the overall progress. Um, so there, there you go. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Fergus from the Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast. Head over there and check them out as well. Fantastic show. Uh, Fergus hosts it brilliantly and he's got a great panel as well. So do check that out. He says, did you think the scrap with Sabios and Eddie was passion or petulance? Um, bit of both um, would probably be my answer to that. I, I feel like... You know, on the one hand, you like to see that competitiveness. You like to see that fire in your players before they're about to start, before they're about to play a game. But I do think it was a bit silly, a bit over the top. It's nice to see that Savile's put that picture uh, on his Instagram afterwards, you know, clearing up that there is no issue between the two. Why should there be? Um, So, yeah, in answer to your question, I think it was a little bit of both, a little bit of petulance, a little bit of passion as well. And look, I'm not going to say I'm really annoyed at seeing that but I'm not going to say I'm thrilled that I saw that either I'm kind of on the fence about this one I think it can be positive I think it can be negative as well so you know fingers crossed if that shit happens on the training ground that's one thing because it's behind closed doors I know it's ironic given that all matches are behind closed doors now but you know what I mean the, the world is not there watching it the cameras are not on it but um I you know I'm on the fence about that it, it was interesting to see, actually. Uh, that's two players I didn't really expect it from, if I'm honest. Um, surprised me a little bit, but there you go. Is what it is. Um, right. Uh, let's uh, give you guys a quick reminder before we lock off. Over 450 of you watching us across the multiple platforms now. Um, we recently hit 8,000 subscribers on YouTube, so thank you so much for that for your continued support and thank you to those of you who listen to us via the audio as well that doesn't go unnoticed i promise you um in fact we've still got more numbers on the uh, audio side of things than we do on the youtube so if you're listening on the audio as well and you'd rather come over so you can get the visuals as well then feel free to do so i know some people listen while they're running while they're working i understand that as well um but feel free to check out the youtube channel too um, just one more from Fergus. He says, when are you joining us on a Guns and Yellow Ribbons episode? Let me know, mate, and I'll be happy to do so. Um, work is manic at the moment, but let me know and I'll do my utmost to, to accommodate it. Not to accommodate, it's the wrong word. To uh, to make the time, basically. Um, I am uh, bringing you guys uh, live commentary tomorrow night alongside Lee Scott of uh, 
Chelsea versus Brighton or Brighton versus Chelsea, I should say. That's Monday night. We're doing that for Total Football Analysis, who have been kind enough to let us broadcast on this channel as well. So if you are a subscriber to the Chronicles of Aguna, you'll be able to tune in and join us for that as well in our brand new studio. Um, I'll be joined by a tactical analyst in Lee Scott, one of the very best in the business. He's written multiple books um, that are on sale now, excellent books as well um, about some incredible uh, sort of managers and stuff so do check those out too um but yeah uh yeah we'll be bringing you that on monday night so come and join us for that as well if you turn your notifications on uh you'll never uh, miss a broadcast there you go uh, smash the like button if you haven't already as well um just having a look let's just quickly check in on the likes before we uh, sign out uh only 81 so far guys there's over 400 of you watching on YouTube alone. So if you haven't, please, please do smash that like button in three, two, one. Like, 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 like. It's so important, guys. Please. Thank you so much um, for your support. Right. Just finally, uh, just going to remind you guys how you can become a patron of the podcast if you wish. Um, and uh, we've got a very special guest joining us again, returning to the show on Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. I'll be joined once again by the brilliant Adrian Clark. So if you are a patron, you can send your questions to me to put directly to Adrian Clark. So patrons do get priority in that. And just a quick reminder of what you get as a patron. Uh, it costs £3 per month. You get access to exclusive content, which will be kicking off this week uh, with an additional podcast just for you guys. Uh, you get priority on the fans show. Uh, so we'll be doing one of those next week where you get to join me live and we get a number of fans on throughout the course of the show. You will get priority. You will jump the queue if you are a patron. That's not to say that others will not get their opportunity to come on. And, to, and of course, we'll bring as many people on as we can. But priority does, does, does go does go priority as i've just mentioned when submitting questions for our experts such as adrian clark um after three months of membership you will also get a gift from me um and i am fully aware that there are a few of you who have hit that three month mark now um and i'll be sending you guys a message in the next few days uh, via the patreon platform uh, to get your postal details because we had a little bit of a delay in uh, the material sort of being made up so that's uh obviously covid is just fucked everything up quite frankly hasn't it so i should be receiving all of that this week and then i'll get it out to you guys as soon as possible so just bear with me uh, on that uh big thank you to uh, everybody in the live chat thank you to everybody who's watching this later on and to those of you listening back on the audio we'll be back tomorrow with a transfer update show uh, hoping to go live around about 5 p.m give or take a few minutes um, but we'll see you guys then until next time take care ciao